This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, complex reasons for that. He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping could take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian versus Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, good day, Adam. How are you doing? Uh, doing very well, thank you. Nice to be back, back from holidays. Did you have a, a good couple of weeks off? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I took the kids crystal mining. That's um, <laughs> what we do up here in Mullumbimby. As you do. Yeah. Did you fill your boots? Did you get some crystals, some sweet crystals? Uh, they make you pay for it, actually. So we. Oh, what? Yeah. Because yeah. Inflation is getting yeah. everywhere. <laughs> It's even hit the crystal market. <laughs> uh, so, oh, well, that's good. Uh, it's nice to be back, nice to be back. Nice to have a holiday too, or, or as I call it, a lola day. Um, managed to jump up and do a bit of stand-up over the break, so that was fun. Mm. Uh, just as soul-crushing as I remember it. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, nah, it is good. It's good fun. As always, big show coming up. Uh, so let's get stuck straight into it. Uh, inflation is blowing up again, as it does. I guess if it wasn't, it wouldn't be called inflation. It would be unflation. <laughs> BMW, more like BM trouble you, as owners start to hack their cars. We'll find out why. But first, Thomas, last time we took a break over Christmas, the markets all went to custard. So two weeks off. Thomas, what did we miss? Yeah, no, the markets have, have they're up. They're going mm. well. Yeah. Tally ho. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, maybe we don't have as big an impact on the market as we initially <laughs> feared. <laughs> now things are looking pretty good. So the the US market that's up now. Well, yeah, it's like so we've had a shocker of the year through this first six months of the year. Mm. The US market was down twenty percent, the worst half year performance in fifty years. But now it's up twelve percent since that since hitting a low. Boom. Yeah. NASDAQ's up 16.4%. So, yeah, and now July is the third for the US market is the third best July ever and the best since 1939. Really? Yeah. It doesn't feel that way. I'm not, I'm not picking up that vibe in the media and stories. That no. I, it's all still very doom and gloom. It is. It is. It's, it's, it's a weird rally. And there, so mm. a lot of people, this is, and this is a similar story in the, in the Aussie market. It's up about the same amount, about 9% or something. Uh, but there's not. It's not like there's a catalyst for it. Mm. Karen Maley in the in the AFR calls it the things can't get any worse rally. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> in the market's going well. Can't get any worse. <laughs> Only way from here is up. Uh, but, uh, there's a lot, but that's what I reckon though. There's a lot of people that seemingly think things can get significantly worse from here. <laughs> 
that's the tone that I'm that I'm getting. Maybe I'm reading the wrong. Maybe it's all all the. the yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if you look you look at the narrative building around the rally at the moment, there's mm. sort of two things. One is earnings. So we've had some it's earning seasons in America. We've had some big results. You get your big names at the moment. So like Amazon and Apple and those guys, mm. they all came in better than expected. So not amazing, but analysts were expecting it to be a lot worse. Mm. And so it was better than expected. And so people go like, oh, maybe it's, maybe it's not so bad. Pinning a bit of hope on that. And the other, the other thing is monetary policy. So Jerome Powell from the Fed, he was saying that he thought the Fed was getting closer towards neutral, that interest rates were having, having their in- impact. The latest statement said recent indicators of spending and production have softened. So markets sort of took that as a bit of a dovish signal, saying like, oh, the Fed's going to not be so mm. aggressive from here on and maybe maybe we've, we've gone past the peak of the hiking cycle. There's still more hikes to come potentially, but it's not going to be as dramatic as, as we're potentially fearing. He, he was saying all that on the same day, though, that he announced a 75 basis point <laughs> rise. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that was the, that was the bit that got me. It was kind of like, oh yeah, there's a lot of positive talk coming from from uh, Fed Chair Powell. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, but he also did mention 75 basis point increase <laughs> on the interest rate. Not sure if you guys picked up on that. So it just seemed like everyone wanted, was happy to ignore that almost. Or is that because that was already priced in? Like the, that was to be expected already. So no one was like, well, this isn't a surprise. It's not almost – it was it was just bizarre that it wasn't almost even newsworthy. Yeah, yeah. It's almost in the fine print really. Yeah. Oh, yeah, PS, we're hiking by yeah. 75. And we're going to hike more. Like it wasn't the end. It mm. wasn't like – because I, I was always thinking it would be – it, the markets would turn when they kind of went, all right, well, we reckon that's it. That's the last hike that we're going to do. Uh, and then all the markets would have gone, hey, nice one, and started, you know, nah, upward yeah, trajectory that, again. Yeah, you've got to be forward looking. You've got to be ahead mm. of the market. So it's always trying to anticipate the future. And that, so that was the pivot. We're saying like rather than this sense you had out of the Fed that it's like, oh, my God, everything's out of control. The whole economy is mm. on fire. We're going to have to keep hiking they're more like, yeah, okay, we've hiked and now it's having an impact. Some of the data mm. is softer. And so that was that was like the signal to the market. So they took that as a signal like, okay, he's not as aggressive as he was a month ago. Oh, did the bear market start? And, and mm. if so, is it now over? Is, it, is this like the commodity super cycle that we had last year that lasted for about a month and a half? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, this, this, this is the question in markets right now. So is, is this rally sustainable? Have, we, have mm. we found a bottom and is it onwards and upwards from here? Or is this a, a false signal? Well, they could maybe call it like a dead cat bounce. Mm. Um, where we just get this sort of lift and then then things tape and keep keep going down. I saw an interesting stat the other day saying like in the the dot com collapse mm. um, in two thousand. So between March two thousand and April two thousand and two, the Nasdaq fell seventy eight percent. So a huge fall, mm. but in that time it rallied more than ten percent on eleven different occasions, and in one mm. rally added forty five percent. So. Mm. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of cases in history where the market gives you a false signal, where it looks like it's mm. found a bottom, but it hasn't. It keeps going right. down. So so this is the question that remains. So like, is, is it onwards and upwards in here? And particularly because you know it's it's that idea that it can't, things can't get any worse. Like that's not a lot to hang a, hang a recovery on. 
Mm. Um, there's a bit of sort of hope in that mix. Like, so inflation's still not contained and killed. So that's one one part of the story. So like, rate they're raising rates. They that seems to be working. The economy seems to be slowing, but we don't know. And there is sort of some hint of, of wages pressure. Um, latest wage read in the US is showing wages growing up over five percent. So that seems seems there's some wages pressure picking up there. Mm. So maybe maybe inflation isn't done, which means that interest rate hikes aren't done either. That's still a risk. And what about the R word? What like the recession? That mm. my understanding is a recession has a definition, right? That recession mm. is two negative quarters of GDP. Is yep. that is that yep. right? That's yep. the recession. Yep. So the US had that. Mm. And then Joe Biden and others came out and went, well, yeah, it's a technical recession. Technically, it's a recession. Well, I'll give you that, but it's not really a recession. <laughs> so yeah. is it a recession or is it not a recession? The thing about recession, the reason we care about recessions isn't because of the stuff that we're producing. So GDP measures the stuff that the economy produces. And mm. when it goes down for two consecutive quarters, that's a recession. And that's bad, but it's not bad in and of itself in the sense that it's really worse that we have, you know, 1% less stuff in the in in a quarter than the previous quarter or something like that. The mm. reason we care about recessions is that typically unemployment lifts when you've got a recession and that creates real human impacts because people lose jobs and then they can't afford mortgages and then they stop spending and all these sort of things. So yeah. that, that's, that's why we care about recession. And I think the point that they're making there is that, yes, GDP is slowing, but unemployment remains very low and wages are lifting. So there's not the human toll that normally goes with a recession. So while, it's, while it has GDP's printed negative, it's not your classic recession in the sense that unemployment's lifting and, and there's bad social outcomes. You- can call it a recession or you can't? You yeah, can. no, no, it's definitely a recession. Right. Yeah, okay. like, no, no dodging that. But like it's not, it's not saying like mm. it's, you know, the worst of times and things and mm. things are really bad. And typically like because I think the, the case, you, you, if it was your classic recession and GDP is falling and unemployment's really high and getting worse, then you wouldn't be raising rates. You yeah. know, you wouldn't raise rates into a recession. It doesn't make sense. And so they're saying like, and that, that's sort of what the economic commentary is sort of saying is like, yeah, it's technically a recession, but it's still inflationary pressures are there. Unemployment's still very low. You still need to raise rates right. um, to head off inflation. And so just on the interest rates thing, so so the markets are all comfortable with rising rates now? They're- yeah. So, yeah. So the RBA is going to meet tomorrow. We're recording, we're recording on Monday. They're mm. meeting tomorrow for- Very inconvenient uh, that the RBA chose to meet, choose to meet on a Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. For our yeah. show. Yeah, mm. I know. I mean- Might have a word with Phil at that. Yeah. That. Have, next time we have dinner, mm. raise yep. it. Yeah. It's, it is awkward. But yeah, so, <laughs> so it's, but like markets are saying 90% chance of 50 basis points tomorrow. Um, that seems pretty likely. But the terminal rates now where the market's pricing in, that's come off a bit. So it's down to around 3% now, whereas two, two and a bit months ago it was 4 4.5%, something like that. Right. So it does seem that markets are sort of starting to walk back some of the worst fears about where rates could go in Australia and probably in America too. Right. Mm. So still, still on the way up, but probably not headed as high as we were worried about. Mm. two or three months ago. All right. Well, there you go. So maybe it's the bottom. Maybe it's not. (laughs) Hopefully that helps you with your investing decisions. 
All right, Thomas, we're talking about inflation, and this segment is brought to you by InvestSmart's Intelligent Investor. You can find them at www.investsmart.com.au. Thomas, inflation data is out this week. What did we learn? Yeah, so it was up. It met expectations, though, so strong numbers, but in line with expectations, so it didn't really rock markets. We got 1.8% in the quarter, uh, now 6.1% over the year. So 6.1%, that's the highest level since the introduction of the GST back in uh, the turn of the century. They said it would be a problem when they brought it in, the GST. They said it was going to cause a problem, and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit longer to play out than people thought, but no, yeah. Well, I mean, it was it jumped up to six point one percent back then, but only for like a couple of quarters, and then it sort of worked its way out of the system pretty quickly because it was just a mm. one-off shift. Um, we're not seeing that, so it was five point one percent over the year to the last quarter to the March quarter, and now six point one percent to the pre- most recent quarter. Um, so, so it's rising and it's probably going to stay high going forward. Right. Yeah. And now, and importantly, like for the, in terms of the RBA, like the, it's the furthest it's been from the, from their target band that, you remember they target two to 3% inflation. Um, mm. it's the furthest it's been since that, since the early 1990s. So yeah, right. generational change in, in the inflation outlook. We haven't had, yeah, most people, you know, don't remember inflation this high. No, I barely don't remember inflation at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the trim means up to four point nine percent. So that's yeah, higher since two th- since I've started tracking the trim mean back in two thousand and three. Yeah, so it's a strong result. I mean, interestingly, so energy is not in this in this data yet. So electricity prices are lifting, um, and that's sort of the way the energy market's structured. It's going to take a while to feed through into retail electricity prices. So we're not seeing that in the data yet. Um, so that means there's more pressure coming through the pipeline. But at the same time, commodity prices, uh, particularly oil and wheat, they've started to fall off their most recent highs. Um, so that's going to put some downward pressure there. And if you look at the quarterly numbers, like so it was 1.8% um, in the quarter, but that's down from 2.1% in the previous quarter. So if that sort of trend mm. continues, maybe suggesting that we've, we've passed the peak in, in, in inflation. What's New Zealand doing? Because they're, they're the canary in the... In the coal uh, mine, aren't they? I don't have, have the data peaked? to hand. Uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to check. Okay, I'm not going to believe that we've peaked until I've seen New Zealand peak. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a bit of a mixed bag. So yeah, it's strong. I mean, part of this I think is why we talked previ- previously about like the 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 markets sort of ratcheting back their expectations for the terminal interest rate, uh, terminal cash rate. I think this mm. is part of the story. Like it's not it's not getting out of control. It's sort of in line with with what markets are thinking. Yeah, so I was reading the Intelligent Investors. There's an analyst there called John Addis who has lots of great stuff. But he sort of broke it down saying, look, you really got to look at this in terms of supply and demand. So at the moment we've got supply shocks and they're, they're in the news a lot. So we've got the war in Ukraine and, um, mm. the, you know, gas gas prices and all of that. And then you also have the demand shocks as well. So there's like the pent-up spending from COVID and government stimulus measures coming through and they're, they're feeding through. And... So the, the, the question that, that the RBA is thinking and what markets are trying to unpack and try to understand is, is inflation temporary? Have like, is it as it's sort of, sort of vaguely suggesting at the moment that we've peaked, we've passed peak inflation, that mm. this inflationary impulse is going to move quickly through the system and we're going to return to sort of more normal levels of inflation? 
or is it more permanent? I'm curious though, mm. how long do we get to answer this question? Because this this is inflation transitory or is it more permanent? I think was first asked, we started talking about it eight months ago. <laughs> <laughs> How long do we get before we have to just go, well, it's 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 permanent. Yeah. It's at least more permanent than transitory because I don't know that we, like, you know, we're still going to be mm. here in three years' time going, well, we're not sure yet. It could be could mm. be permanent or it could be transitory. We're still, the, jury, the jury's still out. Like, yeah, it's been <laughs> three and a half years. <laughs> I think what you're looking for is when inflation starts to feed back on itself. Mm. And this is sort of why everyone's asking about the wage price spiral is that that's when inflation starts feeding back on itself. So inflation goes up and then people demand more wages to compensate for inflation. Firms start pushing up prices to compensate for higher wages. That pushes prices up, which then people need more in their wages and you sort of get Mm. this feedback loop. And that's what you would sort of call permanent. I think once you once you see evidence of that, that's when that's when you say, oh yeah, this is this is permanent. This isn't just a temporary thing moving right. through the system. Okay. Well, I, I read a couple of pieces by John Addis, and, and I like what he's saying here. He, he he's making the case that it's not we're not seeing we're, there's no evidence of the wage price spiral yet. Right. He doesn't reckon we're going to see it anytime soon. So saying it's not not in the wages level yet, particularly in Australia, our wages data is a bit slow. But even in America, like there's some hints, like it's de- wages are definitely definitely lifting, mm. but they're not likely to get a run on. It doesn't it doesn't seem well definitely, and that's definitely not in the data. Why data is that? Yet. Why why are we not gonna? Well, like what's the rationale for the, for us not having a wage price spiral? So John Anders points to a couple of things. Like the first is that the union power is down. So if you go back to the 1970s and like the wage wage price spiral that, that started then, which is sort of like mm. the, the, the classic textbook, textbook example, uh, union power was much stronger. The union membership was about 50% of the working population back in the 1970s. It's down to 15% now. So unions really? have, mm, yeah, much union memberships has tanked. Um, and alongside that, so work stoppages, so strike, strike action, that's down from, that's down 97% on where it mm. was in the 70s. That's because strike action now has to be organised on Reddit and things like that rather than through <laughs> unions. <laughs> organised cohesive unions have now been replaced by Reddit forums. Boy, do you reckon we should strike? Yeah. We've got three people there. Yeah. Yeah, so, so without so the unions really cemented that sort of wage price spiral because they mm. were they were actively um, organising and making sure that their workers were keeping pace with wages were keeping pace with inflation and they're building it into agreements formally. Right. But yes, yeah, so, but union memberships down. Partly that's about sort of fair, like policy settings that have that have sort of uh, undermined union membership. But it's also about the structure of the economy that we've we've moved away from a manufacturing sector heavy economy towards a more services sector and right. services just generally is less unionized and has always been less unionized so as as the, as the the composition of the economy shifted that's that's eroded unionization rates is it possible too that with rising inflation people are having to cut some spending and they've just gone oh I just can't pay these union fees anymore <laughs> Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I yeah, I, would, I wouldn't hang my hat on that. I, I'm going to get rid of my Stan subscription. I might stop. <laughs> might pause Disney <laughs> and maybe I'll just ditch the uh, NTEU for a while. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure that's mm. that's not it. Mm. Yeah. Um, so that that's happening. I mean, we are seeing some. In, so Starbucks is is on a is on a unionization push. So there's there's 200 stores in America that have unionized in the past like two or three months or something, or maybe eight months or something like that. Like it's quite quite strong. There's a strong push there. And mm. that's sort of partly fed by a tight labor market as people feel like they've got more bargaining power. Right. So we are seeing some hints of that, but I think we're not going back to 50%. And that's the point that John Hattis makes is that that wage price spiral was a was a kind of an artifact of, a, of an economic era where unionization rates were really high. And in the absence of that, you're not going to get that automatic feed feedback loop. Right. Yeah. So, so that's okay. part of that. Yeah. And the other point, the other point he makes is that immigration's going to pick up sometime soon. So while the labour market is very tight at the moment, so unemployment rates three and a half percent in Australia, that's the lowest in fifty years. A lot of that's come from the absence of immigration, which has sort of lessened the pool of labour available which has then changed the unemployment rates so once immigration returns that should take some of the the heat out of the labor market and some of the pressure out of wages mm. so put, pulling all those together like he, he's saying it's, it's hard to see a wage price spiral getting getting out of getting out of control mm. uh, particularly given that given how aggressively the rba and the fed have hiked in recent months is he suggesting that we're not likely to see inflation keep accelerating then it's gonna it's gonna start tapering off now yeah i don't know if he's saying it's 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 peaked necessarily uh, and partly because like you look on the supply side there are still things that are that are feeding through like like the electricity prices so this that that's a that impulse is still coming into the inflation data so while it's temporary it's still not there yet so we might still see inflation pick up mm. But it won't be long lasting, and it, and it might not necessarily be the case that you want to meet that with aggressive rate hikes because it'll it'll pass through relatively quickly. Cool. Well, if you're interested in more articles or analysis like this, then head over to Intelligent Investor on the InvestSmart website, investsmart.com.au. We'll put a link in the show notes. Make it nice and easy to find. Uh, we're going to take a quick break now and be back with more comedian versus economist right after this. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, Thomas, finally on the show today, uh, BMW owners have started hacking their cars. What's going on there? BMW has introduced microtransactions. So mm. there's been a push in business to move to subscription models for everything. So basically just like to keep get a, get a steady stream of money out of your customers rather than... Um, one-off payments so mm. you know microsoft office is now a subscription versus a one-off payment you can buy underwear on subscription 
What? <laughs> yeah. Underwear. Yeah, yeah. You just get a it's un, undie club or something. You get like a, a pair of oh. one pair of underwear a month or something. As long as it's not like a one of those sharing type arrangements <laughs> where you know, like a <laughs> <laughs> like um, pants sharing or something. Yeah, yeah. Where you can yeah. dial up some undies to be <laughs> delivered within minutes. People can make make spare cash out of their unused <laughs> underwear. <laughs> Yeah, you got ten pairs of sitting in your drawer doing nothing. Put them, put them to work. BMW's jumped on jumped on that bandwagon. Mm. Now offering subscription features to unlock things that are already built into the car. Mm. So, like heated seats, for example, you can yep. um, you got to pay money to access the heated seats. The heated seats are there in the car, but they're not turned on until you pay a subscription. And activate. Them. I keep hearing, I keep reading this as well. Like people are talking, like you know, it's it's become like the the heated seat story. Like everyone mm. cites this, but there's a bunch of other features. Mm. And the one I'm not sure why we're not talking about is the fact that you can buy simulated exhaust sounds. Yeah, like, right. that's the killer feature, isn't it? <laughs> you buy a BMW instead of that, instead of the twin turbo three liter inline six, you can make it sound like a child pretending to make a car noise. <laughs> Imagine that as you leave the lights. <laughs> I know. Oh, it's so dumb. Like, because they're talking about electronic vehicles. Like, the beauty of them is they don't make noise and they're just going to, like, simulate some noise on them and pay for, pay for the privilege. Like, this sounds like a complete ripoff, but are there any good arguments for, for this model? Um, I don't think so. There are some arguments people, people are making, <laughs> I would. I just wouldn't rate them myself. <laughs> so some, someone's saying like that, like with the heated seats. Like not every customer wants to pay for heated seats, but if BMW mm. is going to put a heated seat option into their their cars and mm. a non non heated seat option, like that increases the manufacturing expense. And then if you're shipping different cars around the place, that increases the cost. So it's a way to get costs down by just giving everyone heated seats and then only turning them on for the people willing to pay for it. It's sort mm. of an idea that maybe that makes it cheaper. It makes it cheaper if you don't, potentially if you don't want uh, want heated seats. But mm. I don't know. Like it, that sort of then implies that if you are paying for heated seats, you're paying more than the marginal cost of the heated seats because you're paying for everyone who doesn't get the heated seats option. Right, you know what I mean, so so that means you're necessarily paying more. Like, it, it has to be the has to be the case that. But you could get heated seats for like selectively within your own car, though, too. Like, you could <laughs> you could get them just for winter, but you could also, if you wanted to be mean, just get one for yourself <laughs> <laughs> and leave the passengers just to sit on cold seats. <laughs> exactly. That would really spice up the next family holiday. <laughs> punish, just punish the kids if they're being naughty in the back. Yeah, and turn off your heating. <laughs> Don't make me do it. Oh man, first, talk about first world punishments. Yeah, uh, but this is an old problem. Like I remember, I bought a CD once. Right, it was a, a placebo CD. Um, I wanted a real CD, but all I could find was a placebo. Huh, waka waka. Um, <laughs> Now, I bought this placebo CD and it had this digital rights management on it and it just all it meant was that I couldn't play it on my Discman. So what I had to do was I had to put it in my computer, work out a way to, to bypass the digital rights management, rip it onto my computer and then burn a new CD so I could play it on my Discman. Like I think the problem <laughs> is if you start 
if you make anything accessible at any point, then you're gonna you're gonna run the risk of um, people just gonna work out ways around it, and, and they're gonna work out a way to access it. So the heated seats are in the car, mm. and that's what's happening, isn't it? Now people yeah. are like, "Well, I'll just work out how to to turn on the heated seats because you've put them in there." Mm. So I'm gonna fire them up. No, it's gonna create a whole niche industry of BMW mm. hackers. Come round, <laughs> come round, and turn on your. Seats for you. We saw it with Android and iPhones. Like people started jailbreaking their phones to get out of the kind of the walled garden of of Apple and whatever to try and what do you, what do you call it? Side loading apps and stuff like that. Uh-huh. The problem is, like in doing so, they also effectively like wiped out any of the security protections that were offered by those walled gardens as well. So then their phones got hacked. <laughs> So I don't know. If you're, if you're worried about paying microtransactions for your heated seats, then the alternative might be that you now have to pay a hacker twenty thousand dollars in Bitcoin <laughs> to unlock your car. <laughs> I'm guessing the BMW warranty is going to be pretty much void if you've hacked your own car to unlock the heated seats. Yeah, I think that's how they get you. Take it into the BMW service center for your service, yeah. and they would go, "Oh, someone's unlocked. Someone's hacked open your your thing." <laughs> Your whole, your whole warranties for you. Oh, man. All right. We might leave it there. Uh, we do thank you for tuning in, of course, once again. And uh, you can find lots of other great shows from Equity Mates Media, Get Started Investing, Equity Mates Investing Podcast, You're in Good Company, Talk Money To Me, Crypto Curious, and, of course, The Dive. We'll be back again next week. We look forward to talking to you again then. It's bye for now. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.